Well, good morning, family. How y'all doing? Uh, Like Pastor Julio said, I am Nick Maddox. I want to rush to uh, give honor to God uh, for Pastor Julio, the great pastor of this church, a great encouragement uh, to myself and other pastors in the area. Uh, I, I have the awesome honor and privilege to share with you all this morning from God's word. Uh, I'm your crazy cousin from up the street, and so uh, I serve at BT, and I promise you I won't do you like I do them at BT. I will preach under two hours, okay? And so you're going to be able to get out, and you're going to be able to watch the game. Uh, But yeah, meet me in Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2, that's where we'll work from today. And uh, while you're turning there, uh, I just want to just say, man, Eli, I ain't want y'all to stop singing, man. Good gracious. Can we give them a great hand for leading us in worship? Wow. Wow, that was powerful. All right, did I tell you a verse? Okay, just wanted to make sure you continue to listen to me. Verse 6 is where we'll work from this morning. And it reads like this, so then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. We're going to preach this morning about how the gospel changes the workplace. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. We have worshiped you through the powerful lifting of our voices and Uh, In a few minutes, Father, we will worship you as we come to the Lord's table and take the Lord's Supper. But now, we prepare to worship you through the hearing and preaching of your word. And it is my prayer for the next few minutes by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let your word be clearly communicated. Let Jesus Christ be highly exalted. And let your people be beautifully blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was given the assignment to preach about how the gospel changes the workplace. And before we move any further, if you choose to check out, let me give you my sermon in a sentence, okay? I don't do this for everybody, but I'll do it for you. This is our sermon in a sentence. The gospel changes the workplace because the gospel transforms the worker. Gospel changes the workplace because the gospel transforms the worker. And in our text, it is important because verse 8, the Apostle Paul, he, he gives a cautious warning. He says, be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of this world. And so there are a whole lot of resources that we can go to 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 give us tools on how to change our workplace, workplace culture and 
and, and all of those things. But, but here's what we've got to understand as believers. The good news of Jesus Christ, that he is the son of God, that, that good news that he, that he came and he lived and he died in our place and he was buried and, and, and he was resurrected and he ascended and then he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. That, that good news, it is transformative and I would say it can be more influential and it is more influential than any of the other resources that we can add to our toolbox to help us transform or change our workplace because ultimately, ultimately the gospel transforms us. It does it from the inside out. And so from our text, it's right here in our text, I'm not making it up, the gospel impacts us because it enables us to redefine how we view work. The gospel enables us to redefine the posture that we work from, the attitude that we work with, and ultimately the person that we work for. It's right here in the text. We're going to follow it. I'm not making it up. The gospel redefines the posture that we work from. Work is not a negative Four-letter word, okay? I know sometimes we hear the word work and we think the word curse. <laughs> but work precedes the fall. God gave mankind the sacred duty of working and keeping the garden prior to the fall. We see in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says this, so the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And why does this matter? It matters because God plants us in the world to work and bring about his transformative power in the world. God plants us in the world for his purpose. So work is something that mankind received from God before sin entered into the world to corrupt mankind. Are y'all with me? And so the posture that we work from is a rooted posture. Paul uses agricultural language here. And, and, and what I love about this is, is this. Now, because of sin, yes, we have to deal with some unsavory realities concerning our work. We have to deal with thorns and thistles. But what I love about God is this. He roots us. He, he gives us the power to, to, to be sturdy and strong and established in the faith. And what this means is this. We can thrive even in some toxic workplace cultures. Amen. I know we don't like that because, you know, Everybody's supposed to get their dream job right now out of school, right now. And everybody's supposed to get it how they want it. And they going, you're going to command the salary you want and everything like that. But, but when we look at the story of Christianity, when, when we look at just the biblical record and, and we see how God plants people in 
the culture and in the world, God puts sometimes his best people in some bad places. Why? So that we can transform and participate with God as he renews all things. So we work from a rooted place. We work from a rooted posture. We work from a rooted posture because when you work from a rooted posture, you understand that ultimately God is your source. This job is not my source. God is my source. When you work from a rooted place, you understand that that my position is not my significance, but my significance is secure in who Christ calls me and how he makes me and how he leads me and how he guides me. When we work from a rooted place, we, we don't participate in the workplace to participate in the rat race of life. But when we are rooted, we work to participate with God as he restores all things in this world. And so our posture is redefined when we are transformed by the gospel. I work from a rooted place. Amen. I'm not just working for accolades and success and money and fill in the blank. Whatever we Whatever we think we need to feel accomplished or accepted or loved, the the gospel enables us to redefine that because we are accepted and we are loved in Christ. And so the posture that we work from is from a rooted place. Are y'all with me? But as as we look at the text, the The good news of Jesus Christ, it not only redefines the posture that we work from, it redefines the attitude that we work with. Look look at the text. I'm not making it up. He says at the end of verse 7, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. Do y'all see that? He says that believers should overflow with gratitude. In 1996, there was a study from Stanford University, a study that, that is, is somewhat disputed now, but in 1996, uh, it was a study at Stanford University and several other uh, media outlets have picked this up and, and this is what that study found. That study found that complaining shrinks your brain. That's what it found that complaining actually shrinks your brain. I'm not talking about nobody in this room, just so you know. I'm talking about the study. Now, yes, there are thorns and thistles that come with our jobs, and yes, there are many things, many, many, many things that when we go into our workplace, there are many things that we can complain about. And I'm not here to argue whether or not complaining actually shrinks the brain. Here's what I do know. I do know that gratitude grows the believer. Gratitude grows the believer. They taught us from when we could talk, when we first learned how to talk, they taught us that please and thank you are the magic words, but we get grown and we get bills and we get jobs and we get around coworkers and we forget how to say please and thank you. 
Uh-oh. Here's why we should be thankful. We should be thankful that God would choose to use us anywhere. Amen. I love it how one pastor, Pastor H.B. Charles, says it. He says it like this. None of us were first-round draft picks that God just had to have on his team. The fact that God would use us anywhere that he plants us is reason enough for us to say thank you. Not only that, when we look at the model of our Savior, in a few minutes, uh, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. We're going to come to the Lord's table. And when you read the scriptures, when Jesus is getting ready to embark on by far the most difficult, the most difficult assignment of his earthly work and ministry, the cross, we see prior to that, he has something called the Last Supper with his disciples. And one of the things that has always struck out to me, it it has just always slapped me like a ton of bricks. When Jesus is getting ready to have the last supper with his disciples, he looks at them. He takes the bread, which represents his body that's going to be broken on that cross, and he gives thanks. Good God Almighty. Now, if our Savior can express gratitude with the cross in front of him, surely we can work with gratitude with the staff meeting in front of us. Are y'all hearing me? I hear some of y'all, Pastor Nick, you just don't know who I work for or who I work with. And here's what I will say, you're right, I don't know. But I do know this, that if we are followers of Jesus Christ and our work feels like a cross most times, if Jesus can give thanks as he faced his cross, we can give thanks when we face ours. I ain't trying to get in your business. I'm just just here on assignment. And, And if you have something wrong with anything that I say, blame Pastor Julio because he picked the text and he told me what to preach. No. But we work from an attitude of gratitude. We, we, we give thanks. And, and, and here's what else that study found. They found that not only does complaining shrink the brain, they found this, that listening to complaining will also shrink your brain. <laughs> Not just if you do it, if you listen to it, it will also shrink your brain. So here's how the gospel can transform the workplace as it transformed the workers. If you can just listen to complaining and it can negatively impact you, how much more of the people of God overflowing our workplaces with a culture of gratitude? How much more will that reap? Benefits. People would see us as grateful that we can participate with God, that we can love our neighbor as ourselves, that we can go to the least and that we can go to the left out and that we can, we can spread good news even in bad places. That's reason enough to give thanks. But it gets gooder because the gospel not only 
empowers us to redefine the attitude that we work with, ultimately, the gospel redefines the person that we work for. Look at the text right here, verse six. It says this, so then just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. So then just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Our text this morning began with this powerful truth that we have received Christ Jesus as Lord. And as Lord, that means that Jesus has authority in heaven and on earth. As Jesus, that means this, that that ultimately he is in control. And, And while I may work and I may serve for other people or work for my company, I ultimately work and I serve Jesus. He's my Lord. We are saved by the person and work of Jesus. We are promised the continual presence of Jesus and we are empowered. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit sent to us by our Savior. And and what that tells me is this, there is no aspect of our lives that, that is beyond the gaze of our Savior. And if we would consider how Jesus views our work more than how we view our work, that would transform us as we work. Y'all know how it is. Let me see if I can bring it home because y'all get nervous in the service. This, y'all, y'all know how it is. When you were growing up, you would wash the dishes differently when your parents was watching versus when you were washing the dishes by yourself. And I thought at least a man or somebody would say amen to that because some of y'all jokers still just run, you know, rinse the water under the, okay, it's clean. You don't use no soap or nothing. It's just, you just rinse it off. You don't wash the dishes, you rinse them off. Amen. But when your parents were watching, you, you would scrub, right? You would use some soap, you know, and you, you wouldn't just rinse them off. You would actually wash the dishes. You would... You would change how you approach what you did because somebody important had their eyes on you. And what I want us to understand is this. We ultimately work for Jesus. He has his eyes on us. And listen, Jesus, he doesn't have his eyes on us so that he can catch us or watch us or or do something. No, no, no. He has his eyes on us because as he saves us, Jesus gives us his attention. Amen. We have the continual gaze of our Lord on our work and that should motivate us. That should motivate us more than just the paycheck. Amen. It teaches us who we ultimately work for. Now, I will say this. Can I I be a little more transparent than I was in 930? Okay, I'm going to be transparent. When I talk about the marketplace and work, I am very sensitive to that uh, because I serve in the church. I'm in vocational ministry. This is how I eat. 
And I will say that there are unique, there are unique situations that people in the marketplace face that I just don't have to face. I acknowledge that. I get that. But there are certain things that no matter where you work, whether in the marketplace or in the church, there there are certain things that we all face. And and these three uh, aspects that we are called to redefine, these are three aspects that I think are universal, that whether you're in in ministry or the marketplace, uh, the gospel redefines the posture that we work from, that we we both, in ministry and in the marketplace, we've got to work from a rooted place. I, I, I don't... I don't know if you know this, but, but pastors can sometimes struggle with trying to be successful and achieve things, and, and they can work from a place that's not rooted. We can become people pleasers as well and work from a place that's not rooted. You know, pastors also, we, we can sometimes forget who we work for. Amen. I'm going to just say it how I feel it and we'll fix it later. Sometimes church members will make you forget who you work for. (laughs) Amen. These are Pastor Nick's words, not Pastor Julio's. Amen. Church folks will make you think you work for them. (laughs) We'll work for you. Amen. This is Jesus' church. And just like in ministry, sometimes there there may be people and you may serve in places and and, and your boss may think that you work for them. And and, and sometimes you got to steal away in your secret closet and remind yourself, "Uh, uh, uh, uh-uh-uh-uh, I'm working for Jesus. I have his attention, he has my affection. I work for Jesus. I'm not at my job just because I filled out an application. I'm on my job because Jesus has planted me there for his purpose. I work for Jesus. And it pleases our Lord. It pleases him when we work for others like we're working for him. Amen. I'm going to close my Bible so you know I'm telling the truth. I don't want y'all to, I'm done. I don't want y'all to think I'm making any of this up. But our job is more than just a job. Our job is ministry. Amen. And as the gospel of Jesus Christ transforms the worker, we then can go out and change the workplace. Now, as we work for the pleasure of Jesus, I want us to understand something. We we, we don't receive the gospel because of our work. No, we receive the gospel because of the grace of God. We don't work to receive the grace of God. We receive it. But here's what I will say. We, we work to experience it. Amen. We work to experience 
the fullness of the grace of God. And, and this is what Ephesians, right after it tells us that we are saved by faith through grace, right after it tells us all of that, the good news about how we can't earn it and how we don't deserve it and how we receive it, it goes on to say, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So here's what I like to say. I'm saved by grace so that I can work in grace. God's grace toward me was passive, but God's grace at work in me and through me is active. So as you go out understanding that the good news of Jesus Christ, it, it gives us the power to redefine the posture that we work from, the attitude that we work with, and ultimately the person that we work for. It's my prayer that you go out encouraged. This, it is my prayer that you leave this place knowing that, that, that the job is not over. We don't, we don't stop living in Christ when we leave Sunday service. As a, as a matter of fact, our living in Christ is, is, is better expressed outside of these four walls. When Monday comes and Tuesday comes and Wednesday, It is also my prayer that as we leave this place, we would see ourselves as participants with God in the workplace as he restores all things. And so in closing, we're going to have a time of reflection and response. The altar is open if you would like to kneel. Maybe you're here and you have, you have some adversity and challenges at work and, and this message has hit home to in, encourage you, inspire you, come now and kneel at the altar just between you and God. Cast all your burdens on him because he cares for you. But in closing, I would like to leave us with a prayer of invitation. Maybe you're here and you hear about how the gospel changes the workplace and it transforms the worker and you're like, I don't know what any of that means, but, but I do know that I need Jesus. I, I do know that I want to live in him. I do know that I need to give him my life. If that's you, let's bow our heads and pray. And we're going to pray this prayer. And this prayer does not save us. Jesus saves us. What this prayer is, it is a profession of our faith in Jesus. And so if you are ready to receive Jesus, pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today confessing that I need you. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I'm lost. I need to be found. I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I believe that God raised him from the dead. And today, by faith, I trust Jesus with my life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. My life is yours forever. Amen.